everybody, it's time for the intro, but there's no better way for me to do it than the person on the episode. So what did we talk about? Oh my God. We talked about how being too much is your superpower. We talked about why I bought the domain churchkarens.com. We even talked about why you, well, we talked a little bit about why you're internet man. Why I'm internet man. Yeah. We talked about that. We talked about how, if you want to stand out, you have to learn how to be polarizing without being an a-hole. How yeah. if you can hold space for yourself and hold space for your clients, you're going to win. How your job isn't to put your clients on the path. It's to show them the path and allow them to take it when they're ready. The biggest mistake you can make is trying to convince people about the value that you provide, how to be your full flavored self, how knowing you are certifiably unemployed is a gift, how being the best employee and leading revolutions led to your journey as an entrepreneur, <laughs> the struggle of being too much and not enough at the same time while being too much is also a superpower, the key to being full flavored is awareness, and then a deep question that I'm going to share in the intro because it's so good. Where have you abandoned yourself to make other people mm -hmm. comfortable with you? And I think that that's the best part. So we should probably let him get into the episode now. We should do it. Okay. So now it's time to cue the intro. Let's get into the episode. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. Tone it down. Modulation <laughs> is key. Modulation is key. But I am like loaded with energy because I, just, I bring that out of people. You do. And they don't even know who you are yet because you're talking before I do the intro, which is why I love Whitney. Whitney's give me space or I'll make my own space. But no, seriously, like I just got done with eight days off after facilitating eight days of events and partying and Whitney partied with me. And I am telling you right now, like I am so excited about this and I'm so glad the podcast is coming now after we partied in Montana together and by party meaning like yep. unlock levels of fire flames and goodness all over the world. But Whitney is the woman who helps you stand out without getting kicked out, but adds gasoline to your natural self to help you achieve and have everything you want without ever sacrificing your soul in the process. And Whitney is an absolute gem, a gift. She's in my mastermind, one of my absolute favorite husband, husbands, one of my favorite people who I now love her husband. Oh and my I, God. Might, I might join He's like amazing. the BFF tripod because <laughs> you did fly to Montana and I love it. So without further ado, Whit, welcome to the show. Hello. I'm like really, I know everyone's, I'm excited to be here, but I'm like, no, I'm freaking out about being here. No, I love it. Like I want all of it. I want all of it all the time. Yeah. So because you listen to the show and because you're in the mastermind and because you know what questions I ask, I'm going to ask you a different question to start. What yeah. was your absolute biggest takeaway after partying in Montana? Oh my gosh. That's such a loaded question. It's like when people say, what's your favorite Michael Jackson song? And I'm like, why do we do this to people? It causes me anxiety. Good. Give so, me all of it. I'm here for all of the things. <laughs> I'm like, why do I have to pick one that I can hold, that I can hold space for my clients by holding space for myself. And that if I'm going to preach to my clients that they have to be able to find their own path, I can't then try to force them on the path that I think they should be on. <laughs> That was the thing. I'm like, hey, come work with me and I'll show you how to like create your own business by coloring outside the lines. And then sometimes I'm like, but in this line and then there's resistance. And then I come crying to you because I can't figure out why I feel resistant. But that those were the two biggest things, I think. And um, that there's no one size fits all for business, which again, like that's what I preach to my clients. I love it. And I, I said that Wit, Wit was here and we partied and I mean, partied like we got to do breath work together and practice together and space practice. And I'm even good at making people do art class, which is hilarious when I'm like, and you can't use words, uh, but yeah. we'll open but my up. art was good. Your my art, art was good. My tree was legit. Your tree was legit. It was dope. And everyone's like, what is he talking about? I'm like, you'll figure it out. <laughs> you'll figure it out someday. And I love that. One of the things that I learned, because like facilitating for you guys, I grow immensely unwrap even more so like space. Like we all yeah. really leaned into that space. And then seeing that when we transformed it and having 65 entrepreneurs in the room and the party was absolutely 
absolutely mind-blowing. And I, I love it because you and I are like the same Enneagram, which really yeah, funny, yeah, really funny story. My wife and daughter mm-hmm. just rescued Habib. Remember Habib? I was going to ask about Habib. So Habib made it to his new home. He has been renamed some opera singer that they feel like fit. My daughter and wife drove 48 hours in the car in three days to rescue this blind sheep. I'll tell you that on another podcast, but Habib made it. But on the way home, my daughter was driving and my wife was researching Enneagrams. (laughs) And she's, hey, what are you? And I was like, I'm an eight. And she's, oh, we thought you were like a one, three or seven. I start looking them up. I was like, no, go look at the dark sides of eight. And she's, oh yeah, (laughs) nope, got it. (laughs) And I was like, Wit and I are the same. Or eight. Hardcore we'll, ha- eight. we'll have a lot of laughing around this. And so I'm going to ask you the, the kickoff question because I feel like you have a very different perspective now after we're partying and all this stuff. And by the way, I just have to say this now that I'm recording this. Everybody will hear this. I am incredibly proud of you to see <laughs> you. where you were when we met and you trusted yourself and mm-hmm. leaped in and the decisions and the the blind leaps of faith that you took to where yep. you are now. It just makes my heart happy. And so I just want to <laughs> say I'm incredibly proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. So now looking back, when you were lighting people's fires on businesses and you know giving <laughs> coaching that you yeah. wouldn't take yourself, when you look back at your entrepreneurial journey, what would you pin as like one of the biggest mistakes you've made and how do you mitigate it now or what was the lesson moving forward? <clears throat> the biggest mistake that I made truly was spending a lot of time convincing and explaining and arguing with people that were committed to misunderstanding me and my work Mm. cost me a lot of time. It cost me a lot of money. And more importantly, it cost me a lot of my peace and a lot of my energy. And that is the most expensive thing we can give up is our time and our energy and our peace. Yeah. And so what, when you say that, like the biggest mistake was like arguing with people about your work, like you're like, this is what I want to do or boom. And then they're like, no. And you're like, let me convince. No, I already decide. <laughs> That's the thing about me. And you'll understand this, Georgia's AIDS. I don't ask for a lot of permission. I'm like, oh, we're going to do this full speed ahead. The thing was when I was speaking up um, about what I was doing with women in my coaching and, and I just started speaking my mind and sharing my opinions and sharing my point of views. And like, I was giving women permission to do the same, to be them, I call it being them full flavored selves, to stop watering themselves down. I was getting a lot of pushback. And then I was spending a lot of time arguing with the church Karens about why it's okay for women to be their full flavored selves. And I did that for a long time, like two years. This is no lie. Two years. I spent more time talking to the people that were never going to work with me and didn't understand me and were genuinely committed to misunderstanding me and my perspective and my point of view and the work that I do with women. Yeah, I totally get it. And we'll unpack church Karen in 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Like I almost had to spit my coffee out of my mouth moment because it brought me back to when we started (laughs) talking about this. Yeah, I bought churchkarens.com. So I love it. <laughs> it's about to be a thing. I love it. Well, I'll let you tell the story of Church Karens in a little while, but I think what you're saying is so prevalent. Like I actually I, I don't think I've talked about this. One of the reasons that I walked away from a seven-figure business and deleted social media is because I had fought so long to try to convince people of my worth or my value or that my message and that I would like basically let them penetrate my own belief system because it was like this, it was like this nasty thing. And then there's a part of me that loved challenging it. I'm like, I'll convince you. I'll show you. I was like, oh, my job's to quote unquote, save everybody. You tell me I'm wrong. You tell me I'm here. And it was boom. And it it almost cost me my life. Like I was, I had to take three years off social media Because when you're doing that with half a million followers, like it's boom and it's God, no wonder why I kept getting more of it. I kept focusing on it and focusing on it. And so I think it's an absolutely amazing thing, but everyone's going to be like, now, why are you getting all of this wit? Like, where's this coming from? And so I want you to tell the story of like how you got to here and here being like helping women unlock themselves. What do you call being their full flavored self, which I absolutely love. Full flavored. Um, And then what you do. So what's been your evolution as an entrepreneur? Like what got you started and fired up? Like you have obviously a very unique position (laughs) in the world that I'm going to let you share. Yeah. And then going from what got you started to that position to what you do now and where you're going. 
the floor. Yeah, here. I've always been, I was going to say I've always been an eight, but like truly I, from when I can remember having memories, like I've always been strong-willed. I've always been hard-headed. It was always my way or the highway. And I noticed like I got my first job at 15 and I'm 36 now. And I left my job last year when I was 35 to go full-time entrepreneur for all these years, like 20 years, I thought something was wrong with me. But I laugh when you and Angie say you guys are certifiably unemployable. I'm like, oh, I just was not meant to play by the rules. I just, not because I want to be rebellious or insubordinate or disrespectful. It was never that. I've always been a really hard worker at most jobs I'm ever at. They will tell you that I had a difficult personality, but I was always one of their best workers. They were always trying to make me team leaders and management and put extra responsibilities on me. And it, but I was always the one like secretly like leading the rebellion of this job sucks and they're treating us very unfairly and we should all quit. And I would have employers pull me to the side and be like, listen, you are definitely our best employee. However, you can't be leading like <laughs> revolutions behind closed doors. Like you can't be turning. I remember I had a boss. I worked for this Greek guy, <laughs> Doros. And at this restaurant, I was the bartender and he was like, listen, Whitney, you can't be turning my employees against me. But it was always the, this like, this is if I didn't get it, if it didn't make sense, if it was not, if I didn't feel like it was fair, if I felt like it was only serving the top 1%, like I just couldn't get behind it. And so I just, whether, and I'll say this, like whether it was in church, because I grew up in the church, I am a Christian, my family, my dad was a pastor, my husband's a pastor, my parents were missionaries, my brother's a missionary, like we grew up in the church, but like, I never fit in the mold. And, and the problem was me being an eight as a woman was hard because we're loud, we're opinionated, we're hard-headed. We're like you said, if you don't create space for me, I'm just going to make it. You said something in Montana when you were like, Whitney finds the line and then we're over the line. Like she's like going to the edge and then we're all of a sudden over the edge. I was always being told like there was something wrong with me. I was always like too much. I was like too opinionated too loud. Sometimes my energy was too masculine. I was too hard headed. I was too independent. It was like, I was just too all the things. So what happened was like, I hired a life coach. I'll fast forward that story, but I got a lot of healing, inner healing, working with her. She gave me a lot of permission to be myself. And I thought I need to bring this gift to the world. Like more women need to know that there's people out here that if you just pay them, they will literally talk to you and every week and we'll just show you how to unlock who you really are and it was such a gift so I became a life coach and the first probably two years of my business I've been in business three years now I just did inner healing work I was like hey you need emotional freedom you need emotional healing you need inner healing I got you here's what I was finding every woman that God was sending to me was also an entrepreneur. They weren't coming to me for help with their business, but here's what was happening. As we were getting them inner healing, I was realizing that where they were stuck in their lives was they were being put in boxes by society that was telling them that they're too much and not enough at the same time. Because if you're too much, that means you're not enough of something else. If you're too much, it means you're not this and that. Like you're too much, so you're not this, which means you're too much and not enough. How do you walk that line? I attract a lot of eights. I attract a lot of women that are like me. And so I was finding that like when we would begin to pull away and peel back the layers and bust them out of the box, and I basically would just pour gasoline on their fire, it was changing their lives, their relationships, how they parent, how they showed up at their jobs, in their businesses. And finally in 2020, I was like, I just felt like God was like, I want you to be this like prophetic voice for women that own businesses that just need, they need someone to give them permission to be their full flavored selves and walk the journey with them because it's hard. If you start just showing up as your full flavored self, it's hard. Family members aren't going to like it. Sometimes your spouse doesn't like it. Your friends get uncomfortable. Your parents get uncomfortable. People at your church get uncomfortable. You have ex-coworkers that are like, who does she think she is? And he just said, walk through this with them. And so, I, but I had to walk it myself first. And I, God was like, listen, if you're going to show women how to stop watering themselves down, you're going to have to figure out where you're doing it and you're going to have to stop. So all of 2020 was this like, in January of 2020, God said to me, like your word for 2020 is you're, it was like, you're undoing, you're unraveling. Mm. And I was like, Oh, and he did. <laughs> and we undid all the things so he could put it all back together. And I just started showing up as myself. And let me tell you, 
there were people that were here for it and there were people that were not here for it. And the people that were not here for it, let me know. But I also tripled my income in 2020. And I know it's because as I started to show up as my full flavored self, as much as it polarized people, it was magnetic to the women that needed me. Totally. And and here's a distinction. So just for anybody listening to this, I don't study this like Enneagram stuff or anything. I take all the tests, but all the absolute <laughs> amazing people in my mastermind are obsessed yes. with So they just tell me what I am. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, yeah. that's what I'm doing. Okay, I got it. And so go look it up if you're like really intrigued. But wait, I got to give you credit because I don't even remember what month that we met. January. Was I joined January? the mastermind January 4th. Okay, so it was January. So we're almost coming up on six months and let's just celebrate I had to. I just totally had to because you've like tripled your income and you're happy. But yeah, totally. You, you said something that I went through back in 2013, 2014 for the first time yeah. and then had to go through again in 2018, which was being willing to be myself. Big yeah. distinction in 2013, it was reactive and compensatory. So it actually <laughs> hurt and burnt bridges. Yeah. I was like that little girl and like fire started, like everything I looked, at, I was like, burn it down. And then yeah. I had to regress again and have that come back together. And then I was like, wow, there's a very big difference between being my full flavored self from yeah. a place of this is who I am versus me convincing the world. This yeah. is who I am. And I have to say yeah. this to you because I, you won't mind like from January to now, it is like two different human beings hundred percent, in how you show up and how you post. And I just want to give you a, a kudos, a high five for being the yeah, work and doing you. the work and the testament. But I am going to ask a couple questions about this because you help so many women unlock this inner thing. Mm-hmm. And the way that you describe the struggle of like, you're too much and not enough at the same time, like that shame mm-hmm. paradigm. Like, what do you think is one of the biggest things for people listening that are like, God, I feel like I don't say that or I don't do it. Like, what's one thing that they can focus on to really start being fully expressed and fully authentic? Because I know the game of unlocking your voice and really being full flavored isn't like a, I'm going to go eat all 31 flavors today. It's, hey, I'm going to take another bite today and I'm going to get another bite today. And so what, what do you think is one of like the most important steps for somebody or a woman to really start unlocking that part of themselves? Yeah, you have to, you really have to, it's awareness. And it's the question I ask is, where are you abandoning yourself? Like, where have you abandoned yourself to make other people more comfortable with you? And that's not usually something that anyone has to dig into for too long. If they're willing to sit in a place where they feel safe, which is what I create safe containers, where it's, you know, where you're abandoning yourself, tell me, Mm. let's say it out loud. We know where we are abandoning ourselves and we know where we are sacrificing ourselves to make ourselves more palatable for other people, but we can't do anything about it until we're willing to look it in the face. And that's the work that I do that lights me up and it makes me emotional. I want to create these safe containers where I'm like, you can say anything here Mm -hmm. and then we can walk through it. So that is the question is like, where are you abandoning yourself? And where are you betraying yourself just to make other people more comfortable with you? I feel like at this part of the show, we should insert like a three minute silent pause just for people to sit with that question. Because what comes up for me when you share this and (laughs) it's just so nuts, like (laughs) hearing this again, I'm like, oh yeah, I've been there. I've done that. Yep. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. There really is some science to this Enneagram thingy, majigger that I don't understand. Mm -hmm. But I got it is that like what really happens, it's this shame cycle, right? And it's literally like a washing machine on infinity loop. Like it never, ever stops. And then the more you compensate for it, the more it comes back, the more you turn it down, the worse it gets. And really like the only way is to hit the pause button and be Mm -hmm. like, what is going on? It's pull the ripcord, hit stop, hit pause. But I think my biggest struggle with it that I'm at now in my life is looking back Like I have a four-year-old son. I have a 16-year-old daughter. You have a 15-year-old, right? Yeah, 15. Yeah, like I'm starting to watch my old behaviors and patterns and societal patterns start to change how my kids show up. And I'm like, I celebrate like their authentic voice Mm -hmm. and their everything. But I'm at this point now, and you and I are are pretty similar in age, where it's I've accomplished everything I've wanted to accomplish in life. Like I have the labels, the titles, the house, the car, the family, like the Mm -hmm. boom. And it's I got it all. And then I'm like, how do I get rid of it all to just be with myself and be happy? And I still have residue from 
10 years, 12 years, like 30 years of career work of not being myself that comes up more and more. What was I doing? Like the shame, like basically prevented me from having the ability to have a healthy relationship with myself. Mm -hmm. And so it's this really interesting concept. And I'm so glad that you talk about it and that you help people do it. I I do want to unpack this a little bit though. So I want to talk about church Karen because everyone's going to be like, what is this church Karen thing? And so you said it earlier, right? Like you grew up in the church, you're Christian, your Mm -hmm. father's a pastor, your brothers are missionaries, your husband is a pastor and you show up full flavored. And so (laughs) why don't you tell us about how, how your full flavored has created church Karens and what is this? So funny, but like anyone that is a Christian listening to this is like, oh, I already know what the church Karens are. We talk about Karens, right? It's like the memes. It's the concept that it's the Karens, right? It's like the urban dictionary. It's it's the people that always, they're committed to misunderstanding you. They want to shut you down. They want you to play by the rules. They want you to stay in the box. They're going to let you know if they don't like what you're doing. They're going to shame you. They're going to be, It's it, they're very preemptive. They think they're better than everyone. They need to go around policing everyone on how they live their lives. And I, the funny thing is, I always say this, and I guess it's not funny, it's sad. I've always said, and some of my other friends that are Christians and entrepreneurs, we talk about this. I get so much support from people that are not tied to any religion that are just like, in in the church world, we call it like the secular world, but it's just people that did, they just, they don't really care about church. They're not into religion. Those people are so supportive. It's the people inside of religious institutions that I'm a part of that always give me the most pushback. And so I just started calling them the church Karens because I'm like, I don't really deal with other Karens. I deal with church Karens. It's like I post something and like the pastor's wives or the ministry leaders or people in like churches I used to attend, they all want to come tell me that's not biblical or you can't tell women to do that or we should be seen and not heard. They're not using that language if that's what they're saying. They're like, you can't tell women to be their full flavored selves. That's not what we're called to do. We're not called to love ourselves. You can't preach that kind of stuff. You can't. T- and it, I was just like, man, church Karens are a thing. And they're like out for me. Yeah. What's well, they're triggered know, by me. What's funny is like when you say this, like I'm spiritual, like I. Yeah. Here's what I'll say. When you go to <laughs> combat. There's no way you don't believe in God, you whatever that looks like to you. And I was mm-hmm. like, and then I like look at my hand one day and I'm like, whatever's holding this existential meat suit together cannot yeah. be explained by silence. Like I got shot yeah. through the hand and yet my hand fully functions. And I was like, yeah, no human yet got it. Cool. Like we're here. But what I think is so profound about the lessons and all of this, I always try to find the principles below it. And when I hear you talk about the, the church Karens, quote unquote, and the projections really of what they are, mm-hmm. it's the same thread that we have in entrepreneurship. It's the same yeah. thread that prevents people from having success. And it's the same thread that prevents people from being full flavored. It's everybody's throwing glass and ro- or rocks at your house, but nobody's yeah. building their own. And what mm-hmm. I love about you is that you're like, okay, cool. And what you're learning or what I'm seeing is your ability to be like, cool, like it bounces off. And you're like, I'm going to keep building my house and I'm going to keep building yeah. my house. Because for years and even and it still, it still comes up to this day. Like I have event hangovers when we're done. Like when you hold space mm. for eight days. and I had an event hangover for a week and I didn't host the event. Totally. And I, you're literally hearing like, <laughs> my life is over. My husband's leaving. My wife is leaving. I'm like, no, they're not. Take a breath. You're going to make it. Yeah. And then a week later, they're like, we made it. We did it. And I'm like... I need to take yeah, eight, 800 dead. showers like, in like the next like week. But I, yeah. I have event hangover. And when I take that space after the event, I spend six, seven days in silence and it's nuts what comes up for me. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this because what I've started to notice is that when you're getting the hate, when you're getting the reactions, when you're mm-hmm. getting the polarization, the difference between it being effective and ineffective is your ability to either react or respond. And reaction makes it very mm-hmm. ineffective. Mm-hmm. but responding mm-hmm. is very intentional. And so here's where I know I still have work to do on this is because after the event, I had all this space and people respect my containers. Now I teach them, I use them. I started making up stories for a good week. Like you should see my journal. I was like, Oh, hates me. Oh, they're never going to yeah. talk to me again. They haven't responded to me because I didn't say something at the event. I actually started creating my own rocks for my own glass house. Yeah. And, and luckily I just got to laugh Ooh. at them and look at them. But like, how's that process been for you? Because I feel like what, what really the secret 
and I'm leading here, but I, I'm just, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Like really That's the fine. secret to being full flavored is realizing like, it's not a decision. It's a practice and it's a constant yeah. practice of, mm-hmm. Oh, this is it awareness because is this who I still am? Is this still my belief? It's like this willingness to be like, I'm going to show up. I'm willing to take the feedback. I'm willing to take the projections and I'm also willing to take a look at it and be like, is this aligned? Is this what I'm going to do? So what's that process like for you? Like, how do you go about church Karen's picketing you and you'd be like, hurrah, right? Or, oh, I got to take this in. What's your process around that? Like, how do you stay grounded? What are your practices for staying aligned to your flavor? What's that like for you? Yeah, I what's interesting, I taught a whole masterclass on this probably at the beginning of the year because my clients, and this is funny, so we'll pull up the thread. You guys coached me on this a lot at the event, right? Because I was like, my clients come to me and they want strategy and they want strategy. And I I my zone of genius isn't the strategy. Like I and I it's funny because when we left the event, I remember saying to Evan, like your coach Evan, I said, I've decided that I'm no longer calling myself a business coach. I'm just a coach. Like I'm just a mindset coach or a life coach, whatever you want to call me for entrepreneurs. I work with entrepreneurs. I'm not business coaching them, but here's like what I'll say about that. They come to me and they want strategy. They want strategy. And I'm like, listen, the strategy is coming out of your eyeballs. You have strategy. The reason it's not landing with your ideal client is they don't know who the hell you are because you are not, you don't know who the hell you are. You're not being yourself. And so they can't figure out, do I connect with her? Do I not connect with her? She's hot. She's cold. We got to get to the heart of that. And then the strategy will become clear. And so they would come to me and say, how do you just not care? And like, how do you just say what you want and teach us your ways? Like I'm some kind of freaking guru. And I'm like, listen, I'm not a guru. Like I, this, and so I thought I'll teach a whole class on it. And then I taught a class and it was not what they thought I was going to say. Cause this was my strategy. It was you need to say what feels in alignment with you and you have to be willing to give people permission to be wrong about you mm-hmm. or not. They think I'm going to be able to coach them to where they're going to create this perfect. Like you said, they're going to build this perfect glass house where nobody ever disagrees with them. And if they do disagree, they, they don't vocalize it. And I'm like, no, you have to be willing to, to, in your mind, say, I give people permission to be wrong about me today. Mm-hmm. They get to be wrong about me. I give them permission to do that. And then when they actually, quote unquote, are wrong about you and they voice that to you, because here's the thing, like, George, it's not people think, oh, you're so good at deflecting the hate on social media. Like what people don't see is when I have friends that I've been friends with for 15 years that call me and rip me a new one on the phone for 30 minutes and tell me my delivery is wrong and I should try sugar and not vinegar. (laughs) And I get that it's all out of love, right? They're looking out for me. I get it, but I have to be willing to like, am I willing to stand my ground in those moments? And here's the work. Am I willing for someone that I genuinely respect? Because this is where it comes from. I'm okay with people I don't know, not agreeing with me. Where it's hard is when it's people you do love and it's people you do respect and it's people you do hold in high regard. It's people's opinions that you actually care about. When they come and tell me they don't agree with me and they do it publicly on social media or they call me and tell me or they don't call me and then they just avoid me for two months and don't talk to me. Am I willing to sit inside of the emotions of feeling really bad about that? Because it hurts. Like I, people think that they're like, how do you not care? And I'm like, no, I never told you guys. I don't care what people think. There's some people I don't care. There's some people that I do absolutely care what they think. And I have to ask myself, am I willing for that person to be wrong about me and love them anyways, and then sit in the emotions of it really hurting that they don't agree with me? Because if I'm not willing to sit in it, then you're right. That's where reactiveness comes from. And that's where convincing and trying to prove my point and defending myself. But I will tell you this, George, the other work I do is this, because I've done that work on myself where I'm like, you know what? I'm willing to let people be wrong about me. And also, am I willing to be wrong? Totally. Am I willing for, Am I willing to be wrong and accept that? But when I'm willing to be, when I'm willing to give people permission to be wrong about me, and I'm also willing to not always be right, Here's how I've eliminated a lot of the trolls on social media. I got to a place where I would either ask myself, is this worth defending my, my stance? And if it's not, I'll just delete their comment. I don't care if I would, if I wouldn't let you say these things to me in real life, I don't have to let you do this to me on social media. And someone said to me once, Oh, so you're just building an echo chamber. 
And finally, one day I was like, yeah, you know what I am? Because I absolutely believe you need to have people in your circle that don't always agree with you. But here's the difference. It's my circle. I create my circle and I have very specific people in my life. Like you, like other people in the mastermind. I have a one-on-one coach. I have my husband. I have close friends that I allow them to, that if they come to me and say, Hey, and they start to point out some things, I'm like, Oh, okay. I've given this person permission to pour into my life. So let me hear them out. But if it's just some person that I went to church with seven years ago on Facebook and you want to come troll me on social media. Yeah. I'll just delete your comment and I'll build my own echo chamber all day. Cause I'm not here for it. Yeah. And so you have to be willing to do that sometimes. You have to cut people loose. Totally. I, there, God, there's so many threads in this one. Like this no. is a 10-hour episode. But one, one, one big important one and the, the closest one is that your social media, your world, whether it's your email, your phone number, your everything, like you would never give out your phone number and let strangers text you and insult you. Like you would never let people walk into your house and insult you. I think this yeah. is what people don't understand is that I've always been like this. Like it's my world and no, it's not necessarily an echo chamber. It's having tight containers and self-respect and space mm-hmm. and being like, Hey, by the way, this is a privilege, not a right. Like you can play, mm. but these are the rules to play. And this is how you play. Just like yeah. the same thing with my kids. Like I have a four-year-old, like if a little boy comes over and starts hitting my son that kid is not coming back to my house and I will be talking to his parents no like it's no and just like at the playground like I don't let kids sit there and be like oh I'm better than you I'm faster than you are no like it's the same thing and to tie it to something you said earlier what I think is so crazy is that because of social media and I this is a deep like I've meditated on this for too many hours at this point and I've never unpacked it, but in the world that we live in, the illusion of connection that comes from social media also oh gives a hiding place for people <sighs> not to be witnessed yes. and everything is agendized. And so it's always reactive or it's always judgmental. And I was like, it's like walking into the restaurant and telling everybody what they ordered for lunch is wrong. And I'm like, no, like that's what I they know. get to order. That's what they get to do. And that's the illusion of social that I've struggled with for years. And so I've had to have really healthy boundaries because- like you said, like we can be in a restaurant, we can sit next to each other and the, the waitress like, these are the specials. And you're like, I don't like it. I'm like, I do. We're not going to sit there and fight about it. Like, you should yeah. like it and it should taste like this and boom. And so what you said that made it all full circle for me is that you said you have to be willing for them to quote unquote be wrong about you. But also yeah. you have to be willing that you might be wrong. And then even deeper is that there really yeah. is no right or wrong. It's just a matter of moment and perception of our current view of the world. And I think that's the practice is like really trying on for size. And you saw this, the event, like when people tell me like, no, nah, I'm like, okay, you're a purple dinosaur. And they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah, notice how you didn't react because you're not yeah. a purple dinosaur. Yeah. But I think it's the willingness. And like you said, to sit with it and to be with it. And one of the things we practice all the time is space, right? There's also this addiction to the dopamine because the reactions mm-hmm. are the drug. The indifference is the drug. Yeah. The judgments are the drug. And I'm going to say this, and I don't think I've said this on a podcast yet. It's because the drug is about being disconnected from yourself because we're afraid to just sit with the feelings and it's space and it's practice. And I don't know, but I pulled this quote up. I want to read this to you because you said something earlier about spirituality and religion and all of it. And the best definition I've ever found is Brene's Brown. She wrote a definition of spirituality. She said, spirituality is recognizing and celebrating that we are all inextricably connected to each other by a power greater than all of us and that our connection to that power and to one another is grounded in love and compassion. Practicing spirituality brings a sense of perspective, meaning, and purpose to our lives. And so I had to close that. But what you've said and what you've been talking about is that underneath all of it, it's this kind of inextricable commitment to be compassionate Mm -hmm. for self and accepting of self and create space for self. And then you being like, God, this really is who I am. Is this what I'm going to share with the world? Am I ready to share this? Am I willing to be this person? And yeah, I don't know. That was it. That was like a whole full circle loop. I'm going to shut up now. No, a hundred percent. No, I get it. I'm like, yep, I'm with you. And then a book recommendation just for everybody. If you haven't read this one yet, read the book. Don't go to the event. You can go Google (laughs) stories about the event, but there's this book called radical honesty. And that book was a big needle mover for me because there were so many times and you said it earlier, it's like, where I've sacrificed myself to cater to other people because I was afraid of my own feelings. And I had so many judgments of myself of that belief. Like I was like, like being in the military, being deployed and also not agreeing with war. That was a whole, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm under contract for another like three years. What am I doing? I'm going to get in trouble. And I did, but there's a lot of like 
belief and self-identity like wrapped up into that stuff. And so it's a really good book for anybody called Radical Honesty if you want to check it out. So I'm going to I'm gonna pivot real quick because I, I want to add some modulation to this one. So ready? Mountains yep. or beach? Beach? You're a beach one? Yeah. Where's DeLuca? Because we talked about it the whole time we were in Montana. We were like, this is beautiful, but take me to the beach. No, no. You got to have a plane to get to the beach and then you can come back to the mountains. And that's, yeah, <laughs> that's where I am. Okay. Absolute favorite food. Oh my God. I love all the foods. I really like ice cream. What kind? What flavor? Oh my God. No, I eat all the flavors, but especially if it has brownie pieces in it. Ooh, have you ever had black raspberry ice cream? No. It's my absolute favorite. You have to add it to your list. It's going to be hard for you to find. Black raspberry. Okay. And now I feel like somebody needs to make a black raspberry with brownie brownie pieces. That's so I'll do it. I'll just put them together. That is so legit. So legit. God, that sounds so good. I'm like wanting ice cream. I just left the gym I know, and like, I haven't eaten yet. And I'm like, oh, now I'm talking good. about ice cream. Okay, yeah. cool. Like, I wonder why I'm addicted to my love handles. Got it. Nailed, nailed it. it. No. Yeah. There's that. Absolute favorite book that you've ever read. Honestly, you're going to be like, what? I read this book like three times when I was in elementary school. I've always been a big reader. I read the book, Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. Oh, I've never, I've never read it or heard of it favorite book ever what is it what's it about it's basically about a little girl it's basically about a little black girl that grows up and it's just that coming of age and and just seeing the difference in races and it it won a lot of awards but yeah just watching her family deal with racism and Mm. it's such a good book such a good book yeah i'll have to add it to my list i've never heard of that yeah that's good it's a children's book it's like a young adult book but i I remember reading it like three times. Yeah, like the little engine that could that I watched last night with my son and well. I started crying. I'm like, I need to do this. I don't believe in myself enough. Where else do I hold myself We small? need to watch The Brave Little Toaster. That'll be a tearjerker. I was like, no, like kids' movies are the best Trojan horses for self-growth because it like rips me open. They're my like, son's Daddy, like, why are you snotting on yourself? It's like, I'm fine. He literally said that to me yesterday and I was like, you're a joy when the little train like made it to the top of the yeah. mountain. Oh, it just makes my heart happy. It makes my heart happy. Okay. So now I'm going to get back to gasoline. I want to get back to gasoline. Well, you are gasoline. I'm about to do a whole branding shoot. So it's going to be fine. I can't wait. I like, I want to see whatever that movie was with that girl that could look at things and burn them on fire. You're talking about, oh my God, you're talking about Carrie. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that girl was. She was like possessed. Yeah. But she had a good heart. She had a good heart. She had bad parenting yeah. and like some bad stuff. She like, just had a lot of Karens and then she snapped. So <laughs> I'm just going to be Carrie without the snap. <laughs> so one of the things that I want to say that I've learned about myself in this process of like entrepreneurship and self-discovery yeah. is that like you're an eight, I'm an eight. And, and I only know what that means a little bit. You said something earlier about like you do it because you care. And one of the things that I think is so powerful is that, in my opinion, you have an extremely high level of integrity and morals and values. And I actually have it in my notes to do a podcast on how people take (laughs) my passion for, like, aggression or, like, my polarization. Yeah, totally. Me too. Yeah. People are like, you're on level 5,000 all the time. And I'm like, yes. And I think what's, like, for (laughs) me, and I can't speak for you, but I'm going to ask you this question. Like, for me, my my moral compass or my values came from growing up without them and always having them broken and nobody standing for them and doing it. And so I have this high belief that like the only way to be different is to hold this like very high line of value. I will always be like the Robin hood if I can and do all of it from that place. But like, where do you think like this came from for you? Have you always felt like you wanted to share your voice? And by the way, when you talked about like leading a revolution that happened in all my jobs, it was fired from all of them. Oh, the I listen, I'm like Katniss Everdeen, <laughs> just all the time. People are like, what is she doing now? God, no one can keep her in a box. And then you should see my record jacket from 12 years in the Marine Corps, <laughs> the amount of write-ups that I got for insubordination. <laughs> but that's where I oh. That's where I learned. I feel the word, so seen and heard right now. That's where I learned the word tack. Cause they're like, you're the only person who can tell us to F off without saying it and not getting in trouble. That's the definition of tact. Yeah. I that's what boundary. Brad Costanzo said to me at the event. And it yeah. changed everything for me. He was just like, you have this gift to call people out on their BS and you can be like very aggressive, but people are here for it because it's in love and they can tell. Totally. And now I have two questions and I'll start there. One of the <laughs> things that I notice about you though, is you're very similar to me 
it's not about living in aggression. It's about having the range to modulate, Mm -hmm. to be a pattern interrupt or to be a, hey, pay attention for a moment. And I think that's one of your gifts, but that has to be practiced. And that goes back to- Yes, which I get a lot of, I got a lot of coaching on that at the event. (laughs) I'm so good at it with my clients. I can see it so clearly. When I was getting ready for this podcast and I was like, when George says, what do you do? Because I was like, God, everyone always says, what do you do? And then it's like you said, it it depends on the context. I always, you always say something different depending on the audience. It's the same thing, but I was like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And I kept thinking, all I'm going to say is, I show rebel entrepreneurs how to be polarizing without being assholes. And I'm really good at that with my clients, but then I have to come to like you and our mastermind because sometimes you guys are like, I think you're leaning towards asshole. Then it's fine. We're going (laughs) to reel it in. So I I always want to be in the work that I'm doing with my clients is the point that I was trying to make. Yeah, no, and I I love that. And it's such an important topic to understand though. We talked about this and just, I didn't pick on wit, but I'm incredibly proud because we did three days of our mastermind together before Mm -hmm. we took a day off and then did a public event and helped unlock 60 other entrepreneurs. And I know you because I am you. I'm like, we're long lost brothers and sisters and we're pretty (laughs) close in age too. So I don't even know. I'll avoid the ancestry test at this point. Yeah. But when I think about it, like I, I always do this as well. Like I've always been able to push because I was like, don't tell me I can't do it. Can't, don't tell me I can't do it. Don't tell me it won't work. Don't tell me you're not doing it. And I've always had the voice. And then I think it gets you to a certain point and it got me to a very big point. But then I also realized that I was never leaving space for myself either. Cause like it was always go out yeah. of hustle. I'll outwork you. I, and my favorite one is I was like, do not. I will out martyr you all day of the week. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, don't get into this with me. I was like, Oh, you think you suffer? I'm like, watch how bad I can. Yeah. See. And it was like yeah. this crazy <laughs> badge of honor. And I love like what we talked about a lot was range and being able to practice the range and and the modulation of it all. And it's a gift. If you do client work, if you have kids, if you do any sort of coaching, crap, even if you sell physical products, you need space to allow people to have their own experience and then come in. And it's really cool to always be in that work because the edge is always getting greater, but you have to sharpen it. And so I'm going to go back to my original question, which was, yeah, where do you like, where do you think like this high level of integrity of like morals and values mm-hmm. has come from for you? Like, where did you get? Cause for me, like I know plenty of people that are like, we'll just follow the go or they'll do this or like, Oh, it's fine, but I'll do it anyways. But I love that. You're like, no, like I'm going to stand for something like mm-hmm. this matters. Like, where did that come from? And like, how do you stay plugged into that? Because I know what the resistance feels like sometimes. So I kind of love to hear about that. As eights, like one thing about us, George, as eights is our motive is always like protection, self-protection and justice. Like we really fight for justice for us, for other people, for the underdogs, for people without a voice. We, so I, I have always gravitated to that. Like, even when I watch movies, I'm obsessed with the Hunger Games. Like I love Katniss. I'm like, she's powerful. She's a woman. It's not about her. It's about people. I had a really amazing upbringing. I really think though that where I really unleashed myself in my thirties was I had an amazing upbringing, but there were always these pockets, whether it was at school or, and sometimes it was family members, whether it was knowingly or unknowingly, it was like, I think sometimes they just didn't know what to do with me because I just was so much and I was just so opinionated and I was just like strong-willed and stubborn and I was going to do it my way and I was going to set the world on fire and nobody was going to tell me no. And I was just like, like Carrie, right? Like I'm just looking at everything and setting everything on fire. And I think my parents were just like, what's happening right now? So she's just blowing everything up. I'm like two and I'm just like, my mom would tell me that when, so my brother's two years younger. So when I was like six, And he was like four, if we would go to McDonald's and they would order him like a cheeseburger with like no pickles and he would get pickles. I would like march up there, like with the cheeseburger and be like, listen, lady, the kid said no pickles. And I'm like six. I'm like, give the kid. And she was just like, I remember my dad telling me when he pastored, we lived, I guess I won't say where, but we lived somewhere. My dad was pastor and we had moved away from home. And I just remember the church was being like, I was in middle school. I was like in sixth grade. They were being awful to him. It was awful. They were so abusive. So mean. And I guess there was, I don't remember this, but she said there was some kind of like meeting with the church and the board and they were like attacking my dad. And so I would have been like, what, like 13? My mom said I like stood up and went off on these people. And my mom was like, we were going to stop you. But then we were just like, she's right. Like (laughs) she's got it handled. And they were, I don't remember. She was like, we just let you go. 
And so I think the fact that my parents didn't know what to do with me, and sometimes I think they subconsciously tried to water me down a little bit. I don't think it wasn't, it was out of love. I think that they saw the way the world responded to me and they just didn't want me to have to deal with that kind of rejection. Mm. So I think sometimes it was more just like, can you just like, for your own good. But they also, on the other hand, fostered this like, own it, say it, be who you want, who cares, walk it out. But the interesting thing was like, as I got into my like later teens in high school, and then in my 20s, I was just getting a lot of messages, especially from the church and like some friend groups and like school that like, I was just too much and not enough. And I think I just hit my breaking point at my 30s. And I just was like, I can't, I felt suffocated. And I was like, I can't live like this anymore. Like, I just want to be myself and be okay with letting the chips fall where they may relationally. Who's here? If people are here for it, I want to make space for them. If they're not here for it, I want to learn how to deal with that rejection so I can let them go instead of changing who I am to keep them in my space. And that's what I help my clients do. Because again, I wasn't making money in my business until last year when I really finally, it was almost like I got to where I was like 80% myself. But when I unlocked that other 20%, it was like the clients came. I I remember telling my coach, I think they're falling out of the sky. Where are they coming from? (laughs) I wasn't doing anything different strategically. And so women come to me and they're like, how can we do what you did? And I'm like, I'm going to show you, but it's going to be hard. Mm -hmm. But it's, yeah, it's pulling that story out of them. I don't know. I don't know if that answered your question. I had a really good upbringing. Well, no, what I love is that I love, listen, our parents do the best they can with how they were raised and their parents look at them here. And I've obviously done a lot of work on this. I've done to the jungle many times and like lots of silent work and breath work and all of it. But I love that, like, really, we all... I think as eights too, we always like to be like, we can just win the race right now. Like we decided today we're going to run a marathon. So tomorrow we can win. And we're like, yeah. can we just skip the whole process? Oh my God. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, and I don't know, like I tell everybody listening, I don't know anything about this Enneagram stuff. I'm learning as Wits talking. Oh yeah, that's me. Like, oh yeah, I do that too. And I do that too. But I yeah. think, I think what's so important and for me took me until I was 36 probably yeah. to be like, wow, there is no finish line. It's a journey. This is a part of it. Like your upbringing was like, that's a part of it. Like me building a business and walking away was a part of it. Me actually not being myself was a part of it. Me watering myself down was a part of it. But all of those parts were required to now be at this part. And I'm sure in 10 years, we're going to laugh and look back as we're visiting DeLuca's Island with sea turtles and avocado trees (laughs) and rescues and, you know, then flying to the mountains. Like, oh, we thought we had it then. And then there's another level and another level. And for me as a quote unquote eight, I think like I had to really practice falling in love with it. It was about the inputs I gave it every day, not about the results of the inputs. Cause I was like, I'm going to go do that and have that and do it now and then be done with it and then not really know what to do. So no, it answered my question beautifully. And I absolutely love it. And I don't know if this is true for you too. What happened to me when I like found my voice Mm-hmm. is that I would share enough of it for people that like, God, he's being in his voice. And he's being authentic. And he's being vulnerable. But then I would sugarcoat 10% of it Yeah. to be like, that's what I was doing. Do yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And it, and like yeah. you said something earlier, self protection. Totally. You said, you said something earlier. I was literally sacrificing my gift mm-hmm. in order for people to perceive me a certain way. I was trying to make, I say this all the time. This is where my full flavored comes in. I'm like, if you're not being full flavored, it means you're watering yourself down to try to make yourself more palatable Mm -hmm. so that people can palate you and tolerate you and they can digest you better. So basically I'm going to betray and sacrifice who I am. Church Karen over there can be more comfortable when she reads my post. Yeah. Uh, I love that because I'm happy with how spicy I am on the Scoville scale. So I can't get upset if somebody chooses to eat it. And that's spicy. I'm like, I told you. Yeah. I'm like, I'm fiery, homie. Like that you where I am now. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. And you being too much is a superpower. I really learned that in 2020. Ooh. That's what I that's what I'm trying to figure out. I gotta get with Katie, but I gotta figure out how to brand (laughs) this in. I somehow want my tagline to be basically, actually, Katie just said, next time you launch your mastermind, Whitney, we're just gonna put you pay me, I pour gasoline on your business. And I was like, okay. But also, because here's what I here's what I hear a lot. And we can pull up this thread. I hear a lot of women that have built platforms around, oh, 
dear sister, you're not too much. You're perfect the way you are. You're not too much. And I'm like, wait a second. We're still subliminally, we're still telling women that being too much is a problem. So we're trying to tell them they're not. I'm like, so women will still try to change themselves. I'm like, how about this? How about you are too much and it's your freaking superpower. And I'm going to show you how to use it to be the woman, the wife, the mom, the leader, and the businesswoman that you need to be. It's your superpower. It's not, oh, you're not too much. Yeah, you are. You are too much for a lot of people. But guess what? Those aren't your people. And it's your superpower. And we're going to channel it. Yeah. and that's, and that's my thing. And I'll say, I, it's the first time I'm here for it. Like, I'm totally here for it. That's my, my wife and not even too much. Like, it's a gift. It's the people that change the world. It's the ones that make yeah. a difference. It's the one that find new edges and find new ways and new innovations and all of it. Like, it's, it is an absolute gift. And I love that. Like, being too much is a superpower. Yeah, I it is your it. superpower. And I love literally, you're like, ah, oh, you pay me, I pour gasoline on your business. I'm like, you pay me, I turn the light up in your business. I'm like, we're saying the same yeah. thing. Yeah, we're we saying are. the same thing. But like the truth is that I it took me losing lots of millions of dollars mm. to realize the tools in the box didn't matter. It was the person using them. And that was when, and I had to lose all of it again to realize that I kept trying to get new tools and I stopped working on the person that was using. I'm like, I'm not even strong enough to pick up the hammer right now. I can't get pissed that it doesn't work. Like, (laughs) Yep. I absolutely love it. Okay. So actually, before I forget where, so there's a lot of people listening to this, a lot of dudes, a lot of women, a lot of everything. Where is the best place for them to get you, to connect with you, to help you pour gasoline on their fire, their too much superpower, give it to them. Yeah. So I was, it's interesting that you said there's men and women. Cause I had a man. So my mastermind's getting ready to open up. And so I was posting that I have this exclusive wait list where you can get on the wait list. And I noticed that like a guy had put himself on my wait list. And I thought that's interesting because I'm pretty clear, like in my marketing that I work with women. And then I thought I've been working with women for three years and I, maybe with men, we just don't create the space for them to even feel like they can say they also water themselves down. So point being, I will, and I don't normally do this, but have a super top secret email address that I literally give out to my team or I give out to very specific connections that I make because it comes directly to my phone. And I'm very protective about the notifications I get on my phone. But like this email address comes directly to my phone because they're emails that I don't want to miss and I don't want them to get lost in the shuffle. So men or women, if you just want to pour gasoline on your business or just you in general, you need to write this email address down and do not give it to anyone. This is only for you guys listening and ladies. It is gasoline at WhitneyBarbary.com. So gasoline at WhitneyBarbary.com. If you want to reach out to me, because like I said, this is actually perfect timing because my mastermind is getting ready to open up. And I actually have, as of this weekend, two spots open for one-on-one clients because I'm narrowing down how many I take. If you email gasoline at WhitneyBarbary.com and you put like MOG in the subject line for Mind of George, I will know where you came from. You can write whatever subject line you want, but I need you to put MOG at the beginning So I know where you came from and you didn't just get my email address from someone else. If you don't do that, I probably won't open it. That's how top secret this address is. If you don't put MOG in your subject line, I'll probably push it to spam. And then you can say whatever you want inside of the body. Just let me know. We can connect. I love. We can connect. I love it. Yeah. And by the way, I'm I'm like, I'm so bad at this. I'm like, if you ever (laughs) want to come party with Whitney and I, let let me know as well. But go check it out. Go send it. And I'm going to challenge you to be as creative as you can with the subject line around lighting something on fire. Like I want to see these cause she'll screenshot them and send them to me. And I want to be like, I totally will. I'm like, I want to know who has like the best tagline or hook around like lighting something, lighting themselves, lighting their business on fire. Well, I'm going to work with the, I cause George, cause you're working with me on this. We got away from like all one-on-one. Like I had 11 private clients. They were getting weekly hour long sessions and I was doing this and doing that. So like Now that we're changing up my business model and I'm only keeping two or three one-on-one clients at a time and everything else is my mastermind, I'm very specific about who I work with now because my time is very limited. So the more creative you are in the subject line, I'm going to be like, yes. And you will probably be the first person I reach back out to. Ah, I love it. I love it. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. I'm going to, and by the way, we have a, in our mastermind, we have a channel on Slack where we like post our wins every day, all of us members. And I know Wit's going to be like, look at this one. Look at this this one. one. Look at this one. I'm excited to see your branding with Katie as well. She's an absolute genius. 
She is. She I literally is like the queen of taglines, branding, and messaging. I'll have to have yeah. her on the podcast as well. Katie, if you're listening, we'll get you on the podcast. We'll definitely yes. get you on the podcast. Okay. Now, this is my favorite question. It's my favorite yeah. question. So everybody's listening to this. I've had takeaways. I've had a ton. I have a page of notes in front of me, and I can't wait to review them and share them. But everybody's listening to this, and you have the opportunity to tattoo one thing on their soul that they'll remember forever. Like you have a tattoo gun. It's going on their soul. They'll mm-hmm. think about it. They'll remember it. They'll have it. What would be your soul tattoo for them to take away from this episode to carry forth for the rest of their life? Being too much is a superpower. I love it. I'm That's literally it. it. Yeah. I love it. Being too Because much. too much is different for everyone, right? Everyone, even if you're not someone that has a personality like mine, all of us, doesn't matter who you are on the Enneagram, if you're timid, doesn't matter. We've all been told somewhere that something about us is too much. If you're not like me and you're not outgoing and you're more reserved, we're like, you're too quiet. You're too nice. You're too, we've all been told we're too much of something, but whatever it is that people are telling you you're too much of is probably your superpower. Whatever that is, it's your superpower and you're not supposed to change it. Oh, not yeah. to make other people more comfortable with you. I I will, I'm, I'm going to give that a kudos and let everybody listen to that again. That is probably the most wisdom, profound, deep statement that there is because every point in my life, my wife is like, you should do this. And I resist it for two years, three years. Then I go do it like the most life-changing thing ever. Everything. Yeah. It's like really, yeah. there's some wisdom in that to sit with that. Too much is a superpower. I absolutely, mm. absolutely love that. Will you do me a favor? Will you spell your name for people so they get it right? Yeah. Yeah. How many bar? Apparently two Barbaries. There's some Barbary pirates somewhere. So. And yeah, I, I like- spelled Barbary wrong the first couple of times. So I want you to spell Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, I don't even know. Whitney Barbary. Yeah. So anyways, Whitney Barbary, it's W-H-I-T-N-E-Y, just the normal spelling of Whitney. And then Barbary is B as in boy. So B-A-R-Y. So WhitneyBarbary.com. Yeah. And I needed that. I, it's probably easy, but I'm like, I misspell names. All no, the time. it's not. I had never heard that last name before I got married. And I was like, Barbary, what is that's this? actually the, they're, they're pirates. That's the first Barbary time Coast. besides pirates that I've ever seen that. Like I've never known anybody with that name. It's kind of dope. Yeah, it is dope. It is. That's your I didn't hu- think so at first, but it's growing on me. My maiden name was Taylor and Whitney Taylor is a pretty sweet name. But Whitney, Whitney Taylor is a pretty sweet name, but you embody like a, a gasoline <laughs> pirate. So, yeah. I, and I can drink rum at 10 a.m. and it's fine if I'm a pirate. Oh my god, I love you. I think I'm gonna nickname you the gasoline <laughs> pirate. I, I don't know, it just feels good right now. I'm gonna get you a t shirt that says gasoline pirate. I don't um, think that's as good as Internet Man, but no, I listen. If you guys want to know the story of Internet Man, you're gonna have to come <laughs> and join the mastermind because they, you have they, to. We were at dinner, uh, our mastermind celebration dinner after three awesome days. And I, we got to hear this story from DeLuca and her husband. And I got <laughs> nicknamed Internet Man. And then somebody, I told the story on stage at the public event. And then somebody yep. went and made me a pink Internet Man shirt. And I was like, my life is complete. Like, I've made it. <laughs> I have nothing left to do. Here's my mailing address. Let's just keep this debauchery going. Okay. I love it. I love it. It was an absolute pleasure, Wit. It was fun. This it was fun. a party. We'll have to do it again. We'll have to do it. We'll have to do one in person. Like, we'll get a whole party together at the next Mastermind. We should event. do it. We'll start lighting people's business on fire. Yeah. Get their branding <gasps> done. Yeah. Oh, my God. We could totally do hot seat. Ooh, we could do a live hot seat at the event and literally yeah. just record it as a podcast as part of as part of the event itself. I'll add it to the schedule. Let's get Katie to call it something better, though. Hot fire seat. I don't know. It's something. We normally call them hot seats, and it's a lot of you pouring gasoline on people's businesses. So I love it. I'm here for it. I'm here for all the things. The stickers are being made. Any parting words of wisdom? Anything left that you want to leave people with? No, just being too much is a superpower. And stop betraying yourself to make other people more comfortable with you. I can't stress that enough. I have to share that that's probably one of my biggest takeaways and the way that you write it with stop watering yourself down to be more palatable. There's so much depth and wisdom in that. And I think that can apply to anybody anywhere in their life. And yeah, I'm I'm done watering myself down for myself too. Because there's parts of me, I was like, oh, I'm a little too extra for myself today, but I'm okay with it. (laughs) I'm okay with it. All right. I'm going to wrap the episode. So everybody- That was another episode of the Mind of George Show. Of course, I'm going to cue the outro in a minute, but make sure you reach out to Wit. Best creative subject line, hit her up. She told you the email. She told you what to do. I would have to share that my favorite takeaway from that entire episode is all along the threads of 
never sacrificing yourself or your gift to cater to your clients, to anybody else. Because really, I say this all the time, you're stuck with one relationship for the rest of your life, whether you like it or not. And that's the one with yourself. And so you might as well honor it, love it, lean into it and practice it. So go check out Wit, hit her up in the emails, get in my mastermind, get in hers, come party with us, come party with us in Montana at the next event. I'll be out in front of all of that stuff. I'll let you guys know when that's coming. But either way, have an absolute beautiful day. You will either see me in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. But now it's time to cue the outro. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.